0: with the jet-setters or whatever, with their backgrounds with Vogue magazine and whatever, whatever other right. high-class uh, women's wear publications they were associated with. Well, you know, we are talking now about business. And certainly when someone like Marlborough Galleries gets a hold of uh, Avedon and Penn, I mean, we're talking big business now. We're not talking about my nickel and dime operation here, which is relatively speaking has always been that. I mean I don't have outlets in Paris and Tokyo and Rome as the Marlborough has in London you see mm. but that's truly big business
1: Right and you don't have 10,000 square feet on 57th Street the way you don't said yes, you don't have 10,000 square feet on 57th no, Street No and I don't
0: have that kind of capital either
1: yeah
0: and I don't have that kind of a publicity outlet. I mean I wouldn't give Avidon or Penn wall space frankly. Because I think that, uh, you know, you talk about reprinting old negatives. Well, that to me is a dead man's occupation. By that I mean someone who is creatively dead. The only thing they can do is reprint the old stuff. All right? Mm -hmm. This is something that comes on when the artist reaches uh, two months before the onset of senility, okay? (laughs) And he's got to rush before that, that dreadful disease takes hold of him. He's got to rush and reprint everything in his files to leave as a as a memorial to himself hmm okay and so that's what Avedon has done and that's what Penn has done as far as I'm concerned
1: have you seen the pen um, the street debris things the which the the photographs of stuff he found on the street yeah but, I mean the actual prints
0: no I haven't seen the actual prints No. but uh, I'm sure that prints are the prints are probably beautiful Oh, they are. They're exquisite. I mean, especially in platinum, because I, oh, to me, are. platinum is one of the most beautiful processes that photographers have available to them. I think they're beautiful. But I, I mean, I just cannot get into that. I mean, I can accept maybe one picture of a cigarette butt,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? or maybe uh, uh, one picture of the, uh, the scraps of yesterday's br- uh, breakfast on a plate, mm-hmm. But to see a room full of that stuff, I think it would be uh, emotionally devastating, depressing. And I really do not want to be depressed <laughs> by, you know...
1: You're not a modern person then if you By photographs. <laughs> I do
0: not want to be depressed by images. I've yeah. got other things to depress me. Yes. I mean, worrying about next month's rent depresses me.
2: Yeah.
0: So I don't need a portfolio to look at to p- depress me further, you <laughs> see. So, I, those things to me are really slick commercial gimmicks, and I'm sure that they're very successful,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think from that point of view I'm very happy for Avon and Penn, oh, well. I'm very happy happy for, for Marlboro and everybody else. What I truly deplore, I think, is that we might have a generation of photographers who are, think of themselves as miniature Avedons, or miniature pins, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that what I worry more about is the influence that that kind of imagery has on the new generation of photographers. See, because they are, these old these bastards are considered the masters.
1: Yeah, all right. Okay. They have
0: had successful com- commercial careers. Yeah. And uh, I liked some of Avedon's commercial work because, again, it was appropriate the job was appropriate to his purpose,
2: you know? Right. Yeah.
0: it was to show off fancy clothes to, to, to a bunch of snobs who subscribed to that snobby magazine, and he did it, and he did it well. And I appreciate that, mm-hmm. and I respect it, because the man was hired to do a job, and he did it well. You see, this is Ansel Adams' point of view. This is why Ansel, I think, has been so successful both as a commercial person and as an artist. Because, again, his point of view was, and it always had been, is that I am a photographer, first of all. Mm-hmm. In other words, I, am, I have prepared myself to, to give the public a service, whatever it might be,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they're willing to pay me for it. My purpose is to do that job and to do it as best as I can,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you see, so that I don't feel that I'm just trying to screw the customer by getting away with something. So that even Anthony's commercial jobs have been fine. You know, he had that kind of integrity—integrity integrity about himself as an artist. Again, this is not a new concept, incidentally, because you know in the Renaissance sure. days, when oh. the artists had their ateliers, you know, they did everything. You
1: know. Yeah, the split really didn't exist quite the way it does today at all.
0: Right, because this is a, a relatively recent concept of the separation between the commercial and the art world. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's in, 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 uh, in terms of cultural history, it, it's relative, it, It's relatively new and yeah. uh, recent. Yeah. Uh, you know, Renaissance days, if uh, someone wanted to design for a cloth, they went to an artist. Mm-hmm. They wanted to the design for a, for a cannon, they went to an artist. They wanted architecture, they went to an artist. Right. Because that's what the artist's job was, it wasn't only to paint the pretty pictures.
1: Yeah, it's too bad that there isn't more sense of, of that today. It's because I think it's um, I think it's refreshing, uh, maybe spiritually uh, as well as physically, for an artist to be able to do what we'll call some minor things that are still viewed as good work, sure. and not always be doing the great work, you know, kind of a thing.
0: Well, you see, the great work is relative, yeah. because the great work truly doesn't become great until generations later.
1: But, I mean, to be attempting to do that always is well, the, te- you see, the that's problem.
0: Well, see, that's yeah. where the wrong attitude is applied. Mm-hmm. In the photographer, or any artist of that matter, getting up in the morning saying to himself, today I'm going to do a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it's fine if it helps his ego, if it motivates him to get in front of an easel or, or back of a camera. Mm-hmm. That's fine, you see. But it's not for him to determine whether it's a great masterpiece. That is in relation to every other great masterpiece that has been established,
2: right?
0: You know, because it's not until years later. Now you can see for yourself in our own time the masterpieces and quotations that are coming along from the, from the from 18th century photography, and a lot of it is just plain crap.
1: Yeah, it certainly was when it was done, at least. It uh, was
0: done. It was crap then, and it's still crap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right? But the point is, is that the people who deal with well, we're talking about business again now right what well, is euphemistically known as vintage prints yeah or okay. vintage photography you or or historical photographs or they have scraped to borrow them.
1: but even to go back to the point you were you were working on originally in terms of the masterpiece there are prints today that I think we may feel are uh, masterful mm-hmm that when they were done were very commonplace, ordinary well, commercial jobs almost. I'm thinking of uh, you know, anything from Archie Jackson, uh, you know, a lot of these things. Sure. That didn't get any special acclaim as uh, works of art of any kind of lasting value in their day. That's right. But time has transformed them for well, us. Well, time hasn't
0: transformed them. We have transformed them. We have made them into masterpieces.
1: Well, the changes that have occurred over time in and, our estimate.
0: And... Uh, it's interesting to try to uh, uh, try to resolve how this transformation has taken place from uh, what, say, in Ajay's, Ajay's day was considered a truly common, mundane uh, uh, image into the masterpiece of today. I mean, what was it? Was it uh, Bernice's constant aggressive pushing of Ajay to the forefront? Was it the books that were published about Ajay? Mm-hmm. Was it the words that were written by uh, Gernsheim and uh, Newhall? Mm-hmm. Is this the thing that made uh, Adjay a master? It? All of these things—it's—it's—it's—it's—all it's, uh, of these things, I'm sure, had a great deal to do in terms of changing the public consciousness.
1: It's the consciousness that's of changed, image, yeah.
0: of the consciousness of of accepting a certain kind of an image. Right? I mean, just think of the change there has been in, in accepting the concept of photography as an art form. Even though that battle was settled way back at the turn of the century.
2: Yeah.
0: Or earlier on, for that matter. Uh, I mean, to me, the, 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 uh, the argument about whether art, photography is art or not has always been a rather spurious one. It's, it's meaningless, really. Uh, because, again, it's the image.
1: Right, it's like arguing is painting an art, and you've got to include the painting of these walls uh, in the issue. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's ridiculous. If you take it in the most broad sense of the word. Go on. Another thing that that's happened in the recent uh, past um, that we've sort of alluded to that I'm interested in recording your uh, response to is that is that at a point where, say, Witkin begins his gallery and begins to achieve success in New York and then sometime after that light gallery comes along and really, in fact, signs up and locks up, as it were, in certain people's work, yeah. Siskin and Callahan being uh, two of them, of course, who you had shown several times. Um, what was the effect on you of that uh, psychologically and actually when that happened?
0: Well, it was devastating, no question. Because, uh, you know, because uh, these people were no longer available to me. Right, unless I uh, was willing to share the profits with Light. Uh,
1: Which I take it you're not.
0: Well, I'm not too eager. Uh, I don't like the whole concept of uh, of that kind of a uh, what do you call it? The exclusive rights arrangement. It's uh, to me, it's a form of servitude that the photographer has to has uh, to do, you know. And uh, uh, even though it's not uh, again a new concept, it certainly isn't unusual. The art world has always been that way. Uh, even in the earlier days, when uh, an artist, in a sense, put himself under the patronage of the Medici's or whatever, so that was the concept itself is not new. But uh, I. Um, uh, I feel more for the artist in the sense that it restricts his movements, it restricts his feeling uh, of freedom, you know. mm. uh, but I can understand it too from the artist's point of view, from a photographer's point of view, it's, uh, it, uh, it, uh, you know, it eliminates the, uh, the business sense for them, they didn't have to deal with the collectors, with museum people or curators or whatever, I mean, Blight does it all for them, which is fine. But in the process, light is also accumulating a fabulous collection for itself, you see. Mm -hmm. Because when it guarantees the photographer a next number of dollars every year, the photographer in turn has to guarantee them a next number of prints.
1: Whether they sell them or not, they retain them for the future. Right, Right.
0: and they can uh, accumulate a fantastic collection and they can charge whatever price they like for that afterwards, you see. So it, it works both ways, but I think that it's in this case, in every in, in case, in which there is that kind of an arrangement between artist and dealer, I think it's the dealer always comes off better.
1: Have you ever been interested in having that kind of arrangement? I mean, given that the dealer does come off better and you're a dealer.
0: Well, I was interested in that, in that sense once, earlier on, back at 133. I thought about it, but uh, of course this was before all of the others got into the picture. Right. Now, I never had the capital to offer a retainer, for example,
2: mm-hmm.
0: to the photographers. I mean, I was willing for that exclusive rights arrangement to take care of all the business arrangements, to, to circulate your to work, to work throughout the country, you see, to handle whatever correspondence had to be handled with the prospective customers or prospective curators or whatever. So in other words, what <laughs> I was willing to do that, and the only thing I wasn't willing to do because I couldn't was to offer them that yearly retainer, guaranteed. The guaranteed, yeah. You see, and I never really liked the idea, and uh, I offered it out. I threw it out to the photographers. I, you know, and some of them said it was great. Some of them questioned the idea, and I finally rejected the idea myself because I felt that uh, uh, so long as my relationship with the photographer was on a certain level. Uh, We were free, for whatever reason, to break that relationship whenever we thought it had to be broken. Mm -hmm. Uh, A photographer because he felt that he had better opportunities somewhere else, and my part because I felt the photographer wasn't doing the work that was, that matched my standards. So that, you know, by mutual agreement, we could separate whenever we wanted to. And uh, so, you know, I, I always maintain that kind of a free reading relationship yeah. with, uh, with all of my artists.
1: Uh-huh. What about in relation to this other, uh, and again this is really a, uh, well, it's an aesthetic idea, it's also a marketing idea, the whole question of the limited edition.
0: Well, I've always been in favor of that.
1: Of actually canceling negatives or? Uh,
0: well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, my feeling had nothing to do with numbers. It uh, could be one print; it could be a thousand prints. And uh, uh, because, from the re- right, from a very practical point of view, mm-hmm. a photographer makes really very few prints from one particular negative. Yeah. Right. Ansel, for example, recently said that of that moonrise photograph of his, which is perhaps his most popular image, he claims that from the very first print that he made, he's not made more than 300 or 350 copies of that print. Right?
1: Yeah. I, I for one don't believe that, but… Well,
0: whether it's true or not… Let's
1: say he's off by a factor of three, it's still a small It's still small. Number.
0: I mean, even, even if it's a thousand.
2: Yeah.
0: It, as an addition, is still relatively small. So not so- someone like Ansel, it doesn't make any... You know, it, it doesn't matter one way or the other. But in terms of some of the younger photographers, all right, who are lucky if they sell two prints from a negative, why not exploit that whole concept of limited edition? Because there are people who... collectors who are, you know, this is, this is a convincing factor. The wrong reason, true enough, but it's still it's a convincing factor.
1: I mean, there really are people to whom that's important, that you deal yes, with those. Yes, right. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't like it, Uh, I mean, I don't like the reason for them thinking that way, because I think it's a superficial reason. But again, from a pragmatic, from a realistic point of view, I think photographers ought to take advantage of it. Furthermore, my feeling is this, that once the photographer gets through printing that negative however many he wants to print, he can go off, leave his darkroom and make new images. Okay. now if you've got an unlimited number you made a negative 20 years ago and you've still got calls for it now true it's a source of revenue and in some cases of an important one but it means that you've got to go back to an image you made 20 years ago and you've got to resurrect it and you've got to print it and you've got to occupy your time in the dark room this whole business of Avedon reprinting is negative for Christ's sake what has he done that's, that's truly remarkable from the standpoint of today. Has he created an image today,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you see? That is as fantastic as those images were in their day.
1: What do you feel about the, uh, the prints that Cole Weston is making? I, Edwards, think, that,
0: I think that is the worst thing
1: in the world. Have you sold any of those? Or no, I, have I wouldn't
0: touch them. The only ones that I ever sold were Bernices of Adjaye
1: yeah that's a different situation really Too. it's
0: not different the same thing applies and I did it then because I didn't have the experience I didn't have that uh, kind of uh, maturity that you spoke of earlier
1: <coughs> well I think it is somewhat different only in that <clears throat> um, Bernice really I think wanted to keep all the original prints intact as much as possible as a complete collection
0: no, that, uh, doesn't like that. See, that, is, that doesn't matter to me. Other things like that. You see, that doesn't matter to me because uh, uh, it's true that, that that Bernice in her own way kept the spirit of Ajay alive through all these years, uh, but to me now, uh, certainly for the past several years, many years in fact, the spirit of Ajay is in those original prints.
1: They're very different than Bernice's
0: Absolutely. Print. And the same thing is true of cold. And I mean, I deplore, for example, the uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, that Delac. The, the the oh,
1: uh, Lee Friedlander. Friedlander.
0: I mean, to me, that's the most god awful thing in the world.
1: Or the George Tice, uh, Frederick Evans. Oh the
0: think. George Tice stuff. I mean, Evans makes such beautiful prints. Why the hell should Tice fight around, mm-hmm. you know, and think that he could improve on that? Yeah. See?
1: again it's really a market
0: it's a market thing right true enough there are so just so many of Evans's originals and they are you know some of them are of, of uh, in terms of uh, are of varying quality uh, some are absolutely beautiful some are exquisite and mm-hmm. some are just so-so sure but uh, again this is you accept the artist and you not only accept his vision but you accept his way of expressing that vision. Yeah. And Cole isn't doing it to his father. Tyson's been doing that to to Evans. And Friedlander is not doing that to Belloc. You see? So to me these are merchandising gimmicks and I deplore it. Yeah. Because I don't think it's doing anything for photography. I, in fact I think it's degrading. It's demeaning.
1: Of course I guess just I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I think in the uh, in the case of Belloc, I don't think there were any prints. I think he only had the negatives. He had to so make what? some kind of print just to so see what, what it We've
0: was. So what? We've lived so many years without Belloc.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, we could live for until uh, eternity.
2: Yeah.
0: You see? So what? I mean, that to me is not important.
2: Mm. All okay, right. Let's
0: let's say that Belloc. We know about Belloc. What well, we know? We know nothing about
1: him.
2: Not really.
0: Right? So in other words, he is part of the myth of photography. Great. I believe in that strongly. Okay? Because I can at least appreciate in my own mind that there was a man named Belloc, even though we don't know who he is. But he worked in that time. Whether he was successful or not, we don't know. But in any case, he made images then. Right? So let's keep it that way. Mm -hmm. If you think in a much broader sense, how many works of art have been lost to us in all of these generations since man first began to scribble on the cave wall? And yet, society, civilization has survived. Has it survived because of the existing masterpieces? Might, it might have, that might have been an influencing factor, certainly. But it certainly wasn't, certainly, civilization had not survived. -hmm. Uh, Has survived not because we've lost all those images and, and, uh, you know, I mean civilization has lost nothing. Yeah. Because those images no longer survive. We talk about the seven wonders of the world. You know. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon? You see, they're no longer in existence.
2: Yeah.
0: But they are in existence in the myths, and we say these are some of the wonders that man is able to create. Well, my feeling is that so long as these antiques survive, I mean, the following generations are going to have a Hello, hard time. I'm going to have a hard time trying to, you know, to match what's already in existence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would just assume if something, you know, some masterpiece crumples to death, I say, fine, let it, and let's have this generation or the next generation come up with something that matches it in terms of quality.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: so that we don't constantly live in the shadows of our fathers. Yeah. But that we are in making a tradition for ourselves, you see, to our own interpretation of what our lives are like now, our lives that we have reached from the past to the present, and which we will pass on to the future. You see, I mean, I don't care if what I do survives. I've no, I know I've made an impact mm-hmm. to some degree, Mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter to me because I am doing it now and I'm doing it to help the people who are working now
1: yeah on, on, on that note let me ask you maybe uh, perhaps by way of summary in a sense uh, what what you uh, what you think about the future or what you're uh, either personally or in terms of where photography seems to be going
0: well I'll tell you truthfully I don't think about the future
1: the future is there
0: it's going to come along soon enough
1: next season one at a time?
0: next season is going to be there you know, if I'm still alive, I'll be there. And I will discover new things, which I hope will make me a better person, a better human being. Because that's the whole point of it. Sorry, that's
1: Well, I think that uh, we probably have... Uh, we have to. Give my best to people at home.
0: Alright.
1: Nice to see you. Okay. Shout when you're coming to town. What? Eh? Shout when you're coming to town. Alright. Okay. Okay. Give me a day or so. Alright. Okay. I'll see See you.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it seems to me that the whole point of art, if we had to believe what we read about it and what has been told to us about it from our professors and from our... Critics and all that is to uplift the human spirit, is to to take us out of that animal stage and bring, raise us to a spiritual level that approaches God. Well, we have to do that. If we believe in that, we have to do it in our own way. I'm doing it in my way, and my way is to believe in what's happening now. Based on what happened in the past,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not dwelling on the past, but keeping it in mind,
1: mm-hmm. but not ignorant of it. You know.
0: No, no, I don't mean I'm, talk, I'm not talking about ignorance of it. Right? No,
1: I know that's what I mean.
0: I mean in terms of appreciating the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think we could probably uh, go on and on, uh, given the right. I'm sure, we could. Given the right things to drink. <laughs> but let me. Yeah,
0: come back, about time.
1: Let me, uh, yeah, let's go
0: on. One of the reasons it can't slide back, I believe, is because there is too much money involved.
2: Ah.
1: Uh. Right? And I think
0: the people in the, uh, who are controlling it from that end will not allow it to slide back.
1: That there's too much capital in uh, the there places There's too like, much
0: capital invested in it.
1: Like places like Marlboro, etc., you mean that? Right. And I don't think they're going to allow it to slide
2: back.
0: You know, unless they're willing to suffer whatever losses they will mm-hmm. in the process. Um, so that my feeling is that it's just, even though it's reached a plateau now, it's going to go on. More slowly? Perhaps at a slower pace. No. Uh, it may uh, reach a, uh, again, it may accelerate at a certain level, depending on what comes along.
1: Well, of course, as you said earlier, and it's still true, relatively, from a marketing standpoint, um, photographs are still cheap as art. Yeah. Even some ex- reasonably expensive photographs, uh, I mean, it's it's only, I mean, there's only a very, very small number of photographs that are really, begin to be what you'd call expensive. Sure. You know, and uh, right. only half of them are worth having. <laughs>
0: I don't even know if that uh, well, half is the right percentage. Well, maybe. whatever. I think it's a smaller percentage than that.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I think furthermore that uh, one of the involvements is with the medium itself. You see, because what I see in historical shows, for example,
2: mm.
0: is more a history of the techniques of the medium rather than of the art of the medium, hmm. you see, in, the, in terms of the development of the materials from the very slow to the much faster ones that we have now. So that, to me, most historical shows have that kind of a point of view. When you look at a historical show, and you are forced to look at prints that are half or three quarters faded, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, what can you make of that?
2: Mm.
0: Except to say to yourself, well, okay, in 1839, someone made a paper negative and made a paper print, which is now half faded. Mm-hmm. But that to me is not art.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And when someone like Gersheim says that that can be restored to its proper, to its proper state, to its original state, I think he's full of crap. How do we know? How, for one thing, how do you know? For another thing, you can't restore it to its proper, to, to what it was originally,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because, in the first place, you don't know. In the second place the original artist's hand is not going to be involved, in the same way that you can't restore a Leonardo da Vinci painting to what it was like when Leonardo painted it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the restorer only has only a, an idea of what that thing was like, of what that original image was like. Right. And yeah. he can approximate the image. It says, Gernstein can approximate those Victorian photographs he's been trying to peddle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? But you can't, I mean, this is what I find deplorable, because the emphasis is so much on that end of it, on that, or so much of it has been on that aspect of it. And we know from a historical point of view that these things existed. Yeah. That's really one of the great questions is what are we going to do with all these photographers coming out of photography schools?
1: Ah. <laughs> well, they're going to have to do something with themselves, I think, is part of the answer to that.
0: Well, the sad thing is this. The same thing, it seems to me, is happening nowadays as what happened after the Second World War with the art schools. Is that so many art students who graduated in those days, and they, had, they really couldn't make it in our society, because our society is not oriented towards the arts or towards the acceptance, or the support of the arts on a greater scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what happens? Those would-be artists without any experience in the arts graduating from school go back into the school system mm-hmm. and they teach another generation of would-be artists. But in the meantime, you see, this, this third generation that we're speaking of now is not getting that kind of fine education that that second generation had from the original group.
1: And, as is now the case in photography, there's a saturation point in terms of even in that kind of employment has been reached.
0: The same thing is happening in photography now.
1: There are no teaching jobs even Well, at this point.
0: even so, but still in all, you see, those, those photographers without any experience, street experience, if you will,